Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos. And today I have with me the founder and CEO of Ursus IT Staffing. Also, he is the podcast host of the show Higher University, John Beck. John, welcome to the show. Jen, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, it's a it's my absolute pleasure to be here with you today. And I wanted to ask you what your uh, new normal has looked like lately. But offline, we already talked about how you have been a virtual business for the last three years. So let me ask you, has anything changed uh, since since we've had to adjust to a new normal this year? Yeah, the, the, there's been con- constant change throughout the last six months. Mm. I can tell you from a, a workflow operational standpoint, uh, not much has changed because we have been a virtual company for three years. So while others were struggling and pulling physical desktops out of offices, we just kept rolling on mm. Zoom and Slack and all the communication tools that we have. The The change really has come and it's ebbed and flowed in terms of what we're seeing with hiring managers and obviously a significant amount of layoffs that still mm. exist today for a large portion of the country. But the good news is there are a lot of people that week over week, month over month are starting to hire and aggressively hiring. And I think that's really a result of companies and managers getting their heads around the fact that this is the new normal for the time being. It may take another few quarters, if not year or two, to get back to a sense of normal. And the last point is, and I think it's a positive, that the remote work for a lot of jobs, not all of them, but for a lot of jobs, companies are realizing that it actually may be a better environment for their employees. Mm -hmm. Every study that has been ever done about worker satisfaction shows that a happy, healthy employee is a more productive employee. And I think people that can work from home can have more family time, more time to exercise, assuming that they're taking that time, Mm -hmm. uh, are going to be more productive and and happier. Um, There are some challenges with that, too, because you also see studies that show that a lot of people are working more hours and burning out. But that's uh, that's that's the give and take and, and, and getting our heads around what what this new normal looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing a little bit about that. I think about the last job I had worked a couple years ago where, uh, so I primarily worked from home for the last decade. And, you know, as an introvert, uh, it's it's great for me because there's less uh, stimuli, you know, there's less distractions where the last place I worked, it was very much like an open office and you hear other people's phones ringing and some people just want to drop into your cubicle and have a conversation with you. And I just remember how uh, overwhelming it was. And I imagine for a lot of um, individuals who, um, you know, aren't used to, uh, you know, balancing all of that uh, stimuli in the office that a lot of them may be really enjoying working from home today. Um, Do you find that maybe some some people when you work, uh, when you're working um, with recruiting uh, have found that it's been a lot better for them to work from home because maybe their personality traits such as myself and, uh, and everything? I think you're spot on. I think a lot of it has to do with your personality and um, uh, and 
and how you structure your time in your day. Uh, the way that we've always presented it to people that are considering coming to work for us is it's not better or worse. It's just mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. And similar to going into an office where there are distractions and, you know, hallway conversations and water cooler conversations and people want to take you out to lunch or leave early or drinks. There's just as many distractions at home. I Absolutely. have a huge amount of empathy for work from home parents that are now homeschooling their kids. That is mm-hmm. no small endeavor. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge. But even for those that aren't, there are plenty of distractions that are sitting right in front of you, whether it's a, a text message or a instant messenger or you know a spouse or a child coming into your office. Um, it's, it's all about structure in your day and managing your time. Um, and again, it's, there's very different challenges working in an office and working from home, but the same challenges persist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gotten good at it as a company in helping people help themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, in using the right tools and how we communicate with them individually, one-on-one as a team. Um, but it's taken some time to figure out how that works because again, not, you know, we have some people that have believed they could work from home remotely and then they kind of get lost because they don't have that human inter- interaction. Mm, right, um, right. So it, it's, it, it's, there's no one size fits all for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I remember one of my girlfriends at the start of this pandemic, she was having a hard time. Although it was exciting for her to work from home, it actually was really difficult for her because she has a very extroverted personality and she uh, finds validation in external uh, feedback, you know, whether it's through her coworkers or um, just what have you, just being out and about. And so that was a very a hard transition for her, uh, but I think today, uh, at least at least in California, they started to um, have what do you call it? Um, have certain pl- employees come in in certain days, and then just make sure like it's one employee per office space or <laughs> what have you. And so it's just really um, you know interesting to see uh, the shift in that. Um, I am curious, John. So we talked, we hinted a little bit about what you do at Ursus IT Staffing. Um, tell us a little bit more about your company. Uh, how did you start it? And um, and, and what does it look like today if someone were to uh, work with you? Sure. So we, in June, celebrated our five-year anniversary. Congratulations. Uh, my background, thank you. Um, we're, we're proud of that we made it. Uh, <laughs> a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. I come from a technology background and specifically within uh, internet infrastructure. So the plumbing mm-hmm. side of the internet, not the, uh, the sexy, uh, flashy <laughs> uh, front-end side of things. So data centers and network. And uh, had always wanted to start my own business. Uh, I think the the impetus for me to start a staffing company, and I'll be honest, when I when I first started, I had colleagues and friends reach out to me and say, "What are you doing, a staffing company? That's you might as well become a lawyer," because the <laughs> reputation is in a lot of cases poor, and it's somewhat mm-hmm. warranted. But I had hired enough people over my career and had good and bad experiences, um, and and the ones. The, the engagements that I had that were really positive were firms and people that really had subject matter expertise. And oh, by the way, happened to be very good recruiters too. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, you're selling or representing another firm in, in potentially going to work from them. Conversely, you're selling the company, the talents and, and skill sets of that particular candidate. If you're, if you're working on placing software engineers or cloud infrastructure engineers, you better know what it is that you're looking about, looking at and be able to speak to it in depth. Mm-hmm. A VP of engineering or a VP of, of infrastructure is not going to tolerate or spend much time with you if you don't really understand 
uh, not everything, you don't have to be, you know, a technical expert, but you have to know enough to be able to find those right people and have those conversations and facilitate it. Mm -hmm. And I had worked with enough staffing firms that just didn't take the time to listen, to understand, and they certainly didn't know. And one of the things that we pride ourselves and why we've been successful is um, the the way we put it is we do a lot of the little things that shouldn't matter to our clients, but they do. Mm -hmm. And that's really the differentiation for us and why we've been so successful. The company's doubled in size, uh, five years in running. Um, We plan to do it again this year despite covid uh, and certainly into next year. And, um, you know, we're proud of our team that sits remotely up and down the West Coast through Arizona, Texas, and as far east as Alabama. Uh, and that too is a competitive advantage that we've been able to have those people work remotely and just continue to to work on roles on a national basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really incredible. And five years is a long time. Um, I, I, can, I can only imagine. Um, was there any point in that experience where you thought, maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, more than than a couple times. And, (laughs) you know, it's really, I'll tell you a story, Jen. I I had been fortunate along my career to be part of some really good management teams and part of executive Mm. teams that have raised capital and sold businesses and gone public and had always aspirations of doing it myself and thought I was ready to do it and understand what it took. And about nine months into starting a company, I went back to all the people that I worked for and said, hey, let me buy a cup of coffee or drink or a meal <laughs> and sat down with them and said, I thought I understood what you were going through. Like, I, yeah. I, did, I totally didn't appreciate because when it's yours and you're at the top, all roads and problems lead back to you. Mm. And, uh, and there's a lot of them. And uh, so I have, a, I, you know, and until you walk the path, you really don't know it. But and we've had our, our share of bumps and and, uh, and, and, and close calls along the way, but that's what makes you stronger and it's how you learn. And, uh, and we persevered and it's made us a better company. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me a little bit more about maybe the process of recruiting staff, because to me, I feel like, and, and maybe a little bit about the history, because to me, it sounds like staffing and recruiting is a new thing in the last couple decades, but I, I can't, you know, I imagine to just traditionally, you know, someone uh, comes in for an interview with their resume and it's up to the boss or the HR person to uh, pre-qualify them. Um, so I think it's really interesting how companies um, now are like, okay, we don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, we, we, we really need to hire someone. So tell me about like that, that process to maybe collaborate with other companies and, and help them with their staffing. Yeah, there's a couple things here. You're right. There really hasn't been um, much in the way of until the last few years in terms of technology innovation within staffing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not for lack of trying. There's been a lot of companies that have been funded in human resources and recruiting. And and more recently, you're seeing things around um, AI uh, and, and predictability in terms of finding candidates. Um, and they work to a point. Mm-hmm. I still believe, uh, and they work really at the, if there's a funnel of, of potential candidates, they work at the top of that funnel to do pre-screening and pattern matching and, and all the things that will find, at least on paper, what appears to be a good match. Mm-hmm. I have yet to find a solution out there that can replicate when you get down to the final decision between one of a handful of candidates um, that you really feel are not only qualified to do the job and capable of doing the job, but all the intangibles that exist and determine why somebody would want to work, hire that person, and conversely, why somebody would want to go work for that company. 
Right. It has to do with culture. It has to deal with the company's ethics. It has, I mean, there's just a litany of things that you can't flush out through technology that have to come through conversation, through questioning, through coaching, you know, that in, the, the gut feel. And that's the value that we bring mm-hmm. to our clients. Um, we hear as an objection a lot of times, well, we have a big recruiting team and we're flooded with resumes. We have thousands of resumes coming in and that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. But the question then becomes is one, how are you screening and finding in that needle in the haystack? And two, are you just catching resumes? Are you actually mm-hmm. going out to a potential candidate? Because the good ones are hard to find and you may have to wrestle them away from somebody and selling them on coming to your company, which they believe is a better fit than where they're at today. And that's human intervention. Um, so, and, and I think a lot of people lose that in our industry. Um, they want technology and they want efficient. And I understand and we do too, but mm-hmm. we pride ourselves in, in all the intangibles and things that may not necessarily be on that piece of paper that we're going to help translate and really find the match between those two people to say yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not not to like downgrade what you do uh, to uh, arrange marriages, but I, I've been watching a show lately called Married at First Sight, and you have all these professionals really trying to match you know these couples together and see if they're a good fit. And it reminds me very much of that. Where for you, just as you mentioned, it's not just what's on paper that could work. It's it's the intangible things, like probably the personality, the culture, and everything. And it sounds like such a, a thorough process to do that. Can you tell me? Uh, maybe maybe a testimonial or a success story that you are most proud of um, in the five years of of uh, running Ursus. Well, we're really proud of our our clients. Mm-hmm. We don't consider ourselves a household name yet. Uh, we're working on that, but we represent a lot of clients that are mm-hmm. uh, Facebook, Tesla, Adobe, Clorox, uh, companies that people mm-hmm. know. Yes, and within those accounts, we perform well. And most of our business was built off of referral. And mm-hmm. our belief is we need to earn the right to ask for the referral based on our performance and our merit. Um, and that takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been able to do it and it's how we've been able to, to grow the business. More often than not, when we engage with a new client, especially those that believe that they are flooded with resumes and have an internal team that can do the job, there's typically one or two positions that they're stuck with. In our industry, people call them, refer to them as purple squirrels, um, right? You oh. don't see a lot of purple squirrels out there. It's a, it's a staffing term. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the mascot of our Hiring University podcast is the fighting purple squirrel. Wow. Um, <laughs> nice. So, and the insiders know that. But more often than not, they'll be stuck on one or two positions. And that's what we'll gravitate towards. Say, give us that, give us the opportunity to work on that mm-hmm. and see if we can add, you know, demonstrate our value because you're not, the reason why you haven't filled that position is because those thousands of resumes, that's not where you're going to find it. It's going to, we're going to have to go find somebody specific to this unique, very narrow job mm-hmm. and get their, tap them on the shoulder and get their attention to talk to you. Um, and that's where, and that's what we're most proud of when we can do that and, and earn the right and show them. That's why you work with us. Continue to build your own recruiting team, catch your resumes, but we can help on augment that, that's the value that we can start with and then expand from there. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, I just remembered that I read this article uh, years ago where um, like new employee 
new employees were very known for, let's say, ghosting at the workplace. Like they get the job, they're there, and then all of a sudden they stop showing up. Do you feel like with Ursus, um, you've been like, there's more success, you know, working with a staffing agency such as yours than, let's say, a company does it on their own and then, you know, unfortunately has to face the consequence of possibly employees ghosting the company? Boy, you've hit that. That's a real uh, hot button for me. I don't, oh. uh, first of all, I don't understand, nor will I ever understand the ghosting phenomenon. Um, <laughs> maybe it's a generational thing. I'm a little bit older, but I just don't understand how. Listen, if you took a job and decided that it wasn't right for you and you don't want to come back, mm-hmm. send, pick, first of all, pick up the phone mm-hmm. in this order. Secondly, send an email. Thirdly, at the least, send a text. Don't just disappear. Mm-hmm. You've burned a bridge. And in our world in technology, it's a small world to begin with. It's an mm. even smaller world in the industry. And at some point down the road, the odds are that's going to come back to bite you. Um, your personal brand and reputation is everything. So for listeners out there, don't, don't ever do that. Yeah. Um, you know, put your yeah. big, big boy, you know, or big girl pants on and, and make a, what is maybe an uncomfortable phone call, but own it. it it's okay. People change their mind. Um, do we do better than, other, you know, internal efforts to prevent that. Um, I, I wish I could say we do, but that's, that's just a trend that's happening right now. Mm. Um, and, and I, you know, again, I, I don't understand it the same way that I don't understand how um, when candidates don't take the time to write a simple thank you note. Mm. Um, back in my day, you had to actually write a physical letter and put a stamp on it and put it in the mail. Today, you have to send an email. It takes you maybe five minutes tops. Um, all those little things, especially in the competitive job market, which it is fiercely competitive right now, um, make the difference. Um, if we talk to a candidate who we're considering to bring into our company, and we and we and even if we love them mm-hmm. and we don't get a follow-up thank you note, uh, we discard them. Mm. Wow. Well, I know that was a hot spot and I didn't realize that. So I want to start by saying I apologize for bringing that up. And I appreciate you. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate you answering it anyway, because at the end of the day, I know that um, staffing agencies such as yourself do the best that you can. And sometimes you just can't help that. Um, I don't know. You might be right. It might be very much a a generational thing, a millennial thing, um, but it is out there. And, um, you know, it sounds like you're doing the best that you can and it is what it is. And hopefully for people who feel tempted, you know, to quote unquote ghost, um, to at least put on the big pants, the big girl pants, big boy pants, and be able to have that conversation with their employer because, you know, both sides are human and, you know, you're not just leaving your company, you're leaving people who invested all this time, you know, to, to, to take a risk on you, to take a chance on you. That's right. right. Exit gracefully. It's going to be uncomfortable, but again, people change their minds, um, but don't just disappear. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I want to go ahead and close with you sharing some advice for someone who has uh, started their own uh, company and has run it successful in the last five years. What, what, is, what is one parting advice do you want to share with our fellow entrepreneurs and small business owners that are listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur? I think the, the number one thing that I remind myself even to this day uh, is just to keep going. Mm. You, you will run into obstacles. It will be very hard. There will times, uh, many times where you will think you are failing. I think the big difference, uh, the number one difference between companies that make it and don't are the ones that just keep going. Uh, you mm. got to get through the hard stuff because it's mm-hmm. going to be hard. And that doesn't guarantee you success. But I think a lot of people, when it gets hard, they, they parachute out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had plenty of opportunities to do that. 
So uh, keep going. And the second one, if you're, I'll throw another one in there too, is if you're thinking about doing it, uh, don't wait. My only mm. regret uh, about starting Ursus is that I waited as long as I did. I wish I would have started five years before uh, wow. and I was in year 10. Um, you're never going to have the right timing with your family and your work life. You're never going to have enough experience. The only way to go is to start and to learn it and to do it is to do it. So um, if you're thinking about it, I encourage you to go for it um, and keep going. Awesome. Well, John, thanks again so much for being here. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Likewise, Jen, I appreciate you having me on the show. Be well. Yeah. And uh, once again, that's John Beck with Ursus IT Staffing. He's the founder and CEO. And if you want to learn more about him and his company, you can visit ursusinc.com. That's U-R-S-U-S-I-N-C.com. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.